Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you on Super Bowl Monday. Busy show today with Marcus Wheelhouse coming to us very shortly on that great one of Ryan Fox on the European PGA Tour. What does it mean? Did he see it coming to that extent? We'll ask him those valid questions. Sun Singh. He is the strength and conditioning coach for Israel Adesanya and uh, also the All Whites. So plenty to talk about because he's been involved with both of late. Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis are on the panel around uh, 10.20 this morning. Uh, Louis Herman Watt just prior to uh, 11 o'clock and we'll get an update on that market too from the TAB for Super Bowl. Braden Curry, uh, good story this, isn't it? Um, just a late entrant into the coast to coast. Wins it for the fourth time. Wins it for the fourth time because another event he was interested in has been canned due to COVID. So uh, really good performance. We'll talk to Braden just after 11, uh, 11 o'clock. A stump smithy too, uh, around about 11.30. So, yep, plenty to talk about and plenty to interact with you, hopefully, uh, on double eight double three is our text number, 0800 150 our phone number. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. So it's Super Bowl Monday, the Rams and the Bengals, Stafford and Burrow, time to crack open the buds, put the mustard and ketchup on the dogs and gnaw on some wings. Perfect, Super Bowl 56. Time to ramp up the prices too, particularly those TV advertisements. You know, back in 1970, the average price of a 30-second slot during Super Bowl was $78,200. That's 1970. Two years ago, it was a cool 5 to $5.6 million for half a minute. Crazy money. I mean, that's more than the worth of Lockie Ferguson, Trent Bolt, and Kane Williamson combined to the IPL. Speaking of crazy money, talk about getting seriously wealthy at the drop of the hammer. No wonder the auctioneer collapsed. Now, Devin Conway, on the other hand, seems a real bargain at a mere $200,000. Surely he's a better value investment at that price to win you a game of T20 cricket than Lucky Lockie, valued at 10 times as much. We all need an hour with Baz on auction strategies and the ability to spend someone else's dough. But not today, though. It's Super Bowl day. Nothing else matters. A genuinely valid excuse to drink beer and get more rotund and hope for yet another wardrobe malfunction during the halftime show. And here's a thought. Here's a thought. Maybe Mr. Mallard could fund a Super Bowl special at the Backbencher pub this afternoon. Cheap bevies and bar snacks might be more effective in getting those pesky protesters out of their new abode 
and sprinklers and some late-night Barry Manilow. second DP World Tour victory and that will feel so sweet. Brian, congratulations. You've done it. You are the 2022 Raz Alkheimer Classic champion. Just describe to us your emotions. It was quite a roller coaster out there. Yeah, uh, probably relief is the, is the main one. Um, obviously it was a bit of a struggle today. Um, sleeping on a six shot lead. I did not sleep very well last night and obviously a couple of guys came at me early and um, yeah, I was a bit bit nervous. I had that awful feeling in the pit of my stomach all day, but um, yeah, I'm very happy with how I played. A couple of great shots coming down the stretch, um, and yeah, it was it was certainly nice walking up the last with my putter in hand and knowing I had five or six putts or whatever it was for it. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox has enjoyed the biggest win ever of his golfing career and that wire-to-wire -wire victory in the old Kalmar Classic. 35 years of age now, Ryan Fox. Uh, he won with, uh, he ended the last round with a six-shot lead. At one point it was whittled down to two, uh, just uh, seven holes into the final round, but he held his nerve, as you said, played some great shots down the stretch um, and won, just as simple as that. Uh, a man who would have been living every shot, I'm sure, is Ryan Fox's coach, Marcus Wheelhouse. Um, Marcus Wheelhouse, he, he had his emotions pretty well summed up. What about yours? Yeah, well, I was a shambles. Um, no, it was uh, especially early, but no, it, I, um, I I got a call from him uh, before he teed off, and he uh, he sort of said what he said in the interviews. He was pretty nervous and, and pretty uh, had a pretty awful sleep with the on and off scenarios of you know six shots leads is a hard is a it sits in a pretty you know awkward place because you're sort of expected to win and, and, uh, and you, you know, like two shots is like, well, you still got to go and get it, you know, get after it and really, really post something, um, fishing on a, on a low scoring course like that. So it was a difficult position, but yeah, no, look, I was, uh, very proud of him, mate. It was, uh, it was a great, great little, uh, great little night. Well, wire to wire too, uh, Marcus, that's pretty damn hard to do. I mean, you know, you hear stories of guys leading for the first uh, two or three rounds, uh, and then of course they can't get it done in the last round. But wire to wire, particularly satisfying. Yeah, he had his, um, he had a goal of, of playing the golf course, and that's uh, you know that's what you've got to sort of try and create in a in a in a you know in a almost a fictional sort of way. You really you know trying to just keep that sort of you know very much plodding formula in front of you, you know, just, just I mean, it's a clatter of, you know, cliche one shot at a time, but it really is in golf, and, it, and it's um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that you've got to keep motivated to be you know, bettering yourself and the way you, you're talking to yourself out there and just trying to make sure you're aware of what's going on and that's, um, that's what, you know golf's all about in my view, I, I think once you get the talent, like, you know, those guys who've got it, she's, um, she's in between the ears and mostly, so it's it's creating, you know, just those things that sit around when you look wire to wire, you know, leads. It's it's a it'll be knackered today, mate. It's a it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of thought, a lot of controlling, 
your thoughts and, and emotions. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a, you know, full credit to, to the way you can concentrate like that. Well, one of the interesting things about it, he actually had back problems, didn't he, last week, and uh, it, it, things weren't going too well for him. So uh, he's, I, I suppose he's had some handy work done on that to get it to this point. Yeah, it's, um, he's, he's got a, a, a great physio that he works with up on the road, um, Boz Fannister, uh, who is um, who's Dutch, actually, and he's been working with him for about five or six years now. Um, and he sees him for about 11 10 or 11 weeks on the road and then he's got a great team with Trevor Montgomery and a, um, a trainer Paul Greenwood back here that he works with when he's back here so he's pretty well looked after in his body but obviously you know he puts a, you know, a lot of stress on that body of his um, it's pretty hard as we all know um, so you know he does need you know does need that hands-on treatment and you know it's funny the manager uh, I text uh, Keno last night Ian Cannon who's his manager He's in the States currently, um, and he said, you know what, we we didn't even know, you know, like Friday afternoon last week, we didn't even know whether he was going to play, um, you know, because, you know, but he bounced back, obviously, and, and the next thing you know, he's a, he's a tournament winner, you know, so it's a lot can change in seven days. Sure can, uh, particularly, too, uh, if you get that putter going, and uh, that was pretty red hot during the week. What, what do you put that down to? Well, he... Ryan, um, I think it was said in the press that you know he, the, um, he had a practice round with a guy called Sean Norris, who's a South African guy that plays a lot of golf up in Japan, good player. Um, and he he just noticed that Ryan was just sneaking a bit too far; he's a bit further away than than what he normally is um, in his setup position. And so therefore, he was hitting a couple of sort of putts randomly, not all putts, but a couple of randoms, just sort of out of the tone. Um, and obviously, that affects the roll of the ball. So. Um, he just sort of said to him, you know, look, just sneak a bit closer and, and see how that goes. And, and, uh, and again, you know, the, the minutest, you know, of things in golf can, can turn that. And uh, he did it. Obviously, it felt pretty good. And, and he started to see the ball go in. And, and confidence in sport, as you know, Smithy, is, is huge. So um, he just got on a roll and, and that, was, um, that was him for the week. So long may that continue. Well, his ranking's going to improve markedly because of this, Marcus, of course. I think he's uh, 211th in the world, but could uh, move uh, right in towards the, the top 120. And that, that gives you some sort of um, significance around certain tours, doesn't it, that, that higher ranking? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got now uh, with, a, you know, with the tournament one and, and those, that size of tournament, he's, he's, got, uh, he's got a job in Europe for a couple of years, which is great, So meaning his, you know, his European tour card's secured. Um, obviously, the, the events that you get in around being a tournament winner um, is also guaranteed. And, and uh, I was just talking to his dad before, and you know, it's just when you're a tournament winner and you've got that size of event behind you, you know, you get different draws. You play with better players during the week, um, even though you know, well, um, Foxy's pretty well regarded out there and, and, and respected. Um, your category still is the main thing, and. When you look at the uh, the events that he, you know he'll get in from there, now it's you're looking at you know the the end of the year the DP World Tour and, and you know because his um, his um, auto merit place will be high, so all those little bonuses. Um, when, once you get up to the top 50, Smithy, that's when you start to really sort of you know that's that, that's the majors, um, that's the, the possibility of going to the PGA Tour and, and having some some invites in the in the states, which is which is what a lot of European tour players do if they have a really stellar year and they pop up that ranking, you know, very high. They they there, but he, he probably needs another 
another really good week to get in that sort of you know top hundred and, and make the difference there. But it's um it's a right step. It's a great turnaround. Uh, what is it? Three months ago, just over three months ago, there he was having to play on the European tour, having to stay over there against his wishes to try and hold things together. And now because of this win, just uh, three months later, uh, he doesn't have those worries anymore. He can sort of come and go as he pleases uh, for a while. Yeah, it's, um, I, I sort of take my thoughts back to, uh, it was the week before Valderrama, and uh, when he finished fourth at the end of last year, um, and things were you know, quite different. And he was you know, struggling with his game, um, you know all the stuff that sits around COVID and all that. You know all those challenges everywhere. So um, so he's in a yeah fast forward and and now what are we mid Feb or whatever we are and it's a uh, it's a nice yeah. place for him to be and he's he's uh, got a bit of money in the bank and and uh, some some rankings going the right way. The conference going the right way. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, happy days. So what now? What what has he got planned out now? I mean because. Uh, I look at uh, golf, and it's very much a form thing. And when you've got it, it it's uh, always quite good to keep on playing. Because I'm just looking at this guy Tom Hogue that won last week, and there he is, right up towards the top of the leaderboard again this week. So, what about Ryan's uh, uh, immediate plans? Yeah, well, unfortunately, he's going to go and sit, sit at home and um, sit in a hotel for ten days. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's there's no other real um, possibilities there. And he's got an MIQ spot, um, obviously Annika and. Isabella's daughter, as Annika's wife, um, are here, so he's pretty happy, you know, um, desperate to get back here and and hang with them for a little bit. So yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, you probably, you know, you'd, well, it, I mean, it's all just down to where the tournaments sit, isn't it? But um, but he's got an MIQ spot, so he can't give that up. Um, and well, he 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 won't give that up. And then um, and then a matter of you know, because he, he was originally coming back to play the New Zealand Open, which is unfortunate to uh, be be cancelled not so long ago so yeah he's he's got a bit of time off now um he'll be thinking about sort of leaving that may change but probably late april early may i don't think that'll change he's got a a pretty good run of events through um and restart the european um swing when it when it actually hits europe so it's actually in england and um and uh and those um you know sort of warmer countries around around england so uh that'll be his next stuff Great news, mate. Absolutely fantastic news. Congratulations to, uh, to both of you, really, for all the hard work that you've put in, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to talking to him uh, when he gets home, and uh, maybe we'll uh, use up 20 minutes of his uh, quarantine time to talk to him. So that'll be cool, mate. Uh, uh, thank you. Thanks, Marcus. Uh, and okay, thanks, uh, As always, Cheers, good mate. stuff. Cheers, man. Thank you. Um, Marcus Wheelhouse there, of course, the coach of Ryan Fox, the hot golfer as far as we're concerned, just... Uh, a fantastic wire-to-wire performance shot. 30 birdies. 30 birdies across the, the stretch of those four rounds. Um, and putted well, drove the ball beautifully, and held his nerve. And that, uh, that I think, is probably the biggest thing, Johnny. Hold, John holding his nerve, um, you know, under pressure. Uh, because, you know, so often you see, and I'm watching a, a tournament as we speak now in the uh, USA, there's a guy, Sanith Thagala, trying to win for the first time on the PGA Tour. Um, and he's got big players breathing down his neck, Kepka and Cantlay and Scheffler and Horschel all breathing down his neck, and at the moment he's not handling it too well. Uh, so uh, he's under real pressure there, and he took, a, I think, a three-shot lead into this morning's round. So some people react well, and uh, Ryan Fox certainly did.
Yeah, I was nervous for him last night. I was like Marcus watching the TV and about seven holes in, he was one over par through seven and you were just like, oh my goodness. And it could have been worse, um, but he landed, I think, a, a tremendous putt on about the seventh hole it was to save, uh, save par and absolutely nailed it. And that's when I thought, well that's when it's going to be your day. So you need those moments. It was great to see him going well with the putter, Smithy, because that's normally been the problem. He can drive as far as anyone on the planet, can't he, Ryan Fox? Uh, And if he can get a short game going, he can compete with anyone on the planet. So really exciting stuff for Ryan. It is. Great news, actually. So uh, 8833 is our text number. You might have a comment about uh, Ryan Fox. Uh, What about your prediction today for the Super Bowl? Uh, we've got the, the Rams and the Bengals, the Rams at home to the Bengals, uh, fortunately uh, for them in their own stadium, uh, or maybe something else uh, over the weekend that has um, attracted your attention. So double eight double three is uh, the text number for that, 0800 the phone number. Sainz come in and said, how good from Ryan Fox last night. The composure he showed on the back nine was world class, massively proud of the way that he represents New Zealand, and he certainly does. Uh, he portrays New Zealand in a very good light uh, on and off the course, I think it's uh, fair to say. And uh, uh, I, I also like the way he's uh, completely open and honest about everything, uh, including the MIQ uh, system that uh, he at least has got uh, the benefit of this time around. Uh, other golf news too, uh, John, very exciting that uh, Ben Campbell uh, from Masterton made the uh, Open Championship uh, with a runner-up in Victoria over the weekend. Uh, what an amazing weekend of sport for the Kiwis. Uh, we might just get them on, so we'll uh, keep your number there. Uh, uh, James, thank you very much for that. And uh, we might try and get hold of you and get hold of uh, Ben Campbell on his latest success. What a good story that is. Uh, we're talking too about the, the Super Bowl. Jay, good good luck with your bears and chicken wings uh, with Super Bowl. Jay, did you, are you going to watch it? you even going to watch Super Bowl? I'm not really a Super Bowl guy, Smithy. I'll be listening to it, though, uh, this year because it is here on SENZ, of course. We're bringing live commentary, and I didn't have anything planned for 9.30 this morning and actually forgot we had a commentary team over there. Uh, doing the Super Bowl in LA, so I reckon we might talk to Ben Graham uh, not too far from now, Smithy, and he's done what not many people have done. He's gotten a unique double, doesn't he, under his belt? Well, he has. This is an amazing story, Ben Graham, and hopefully we'll be able to get hold of him. Uh, He's actually the only man that's ever played in an NFL Super Bowl and an AFL Grand Final, Uh, and uh, just an incredible story. Uh, He converted to uh, NFL, uh, he had a career with uh, the New York Jets, the New Orleans Saints, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Detroit Lions. So uh, played in the Super Bowl and the AFL Grand Final back in 1995 and then went to um, the American Code. So what a, what a story. Uh, 219 games in Australian rules career and 467 punts were the total yards 20,623. That's kicking the ball a long way. So his punting yard average was 44.2 yards uh, over the course of his career. So that's cool. Uh, So hopefully we'll get hold of Ben Graham. And and Jared, 
Jared uh, is over there as well. Jared Waitley. Jared Waitley. Yeah, the voice of sport yeah, over in Aussie. Yeah, he can call a game. That's for sure. Man, he's man, he's called so many different things over the last kind of six to eight months yeah. for us here on SNZ. So that'll be cool, Smithy. And yeah, I'm into the snacks. I mean, I don't know anything about NFL, really. Um, I don't like how Stop Start it is, but it's the biggest day. Huge halftime show, I think. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and all your favourites will be there, Smithy. So, yep, some chicken wings for me. Maybe not American beer, though. Budweiser doesn't really do it for me. I might keep it local, but definitely chicken wings, 100%. Doesn't do. Yeah, well, I'll be looking for Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Bly, Kendrick Lamar and Dr. Dre. I'll be riveted to that lot. So um, that'll probably uh, usurp, gazump the actual action itself for me. <laughs> not. So, yeah, <laughs> another... <laughs> Another text come in, a world-class, on the basis of what I was saying in the sermon about Lockie Ferguson getting $2 million. $2 million, John. A world-class fast bowler will always get paid lots in the IPL because they have a lot of local openers and spinners. That's why you see the likes of Guptill and Finch unsold. Yeah, my point is, uh, I think I'd, if I was chasing down a total, I would quite like to have Devin Conway on my side. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure... Uh, whether he would uh, win five games out of ten for you, he might win a couple. But I think um, when you pay two million bucks, you're really looking for a guy to win it to you about six or seven times out of ten, aren't you? Is <laughs> uh, Lockie is, is Ferguson that good? Some of the money's astronomical. They've got Liam Livingston. Around about $3 million for Liam Livingston. Yeah. So tell me about Liam Livingston, John. I can't. Tell me about Liam Livingston. <coughs> I, I, can't. I can't. I was watching. Either. I was just watching the auction last night, and I was just like, "Okay, Liam Livingston, nice alliteration." You know, uh, the name rolls nicely off the tongue, but that's about all I knew, Smithy. I mean, no wonder the auctioneer passed out with some of the astronomical sums coming up. It's just—it's so lucky, lucky dip, isn't it? Well, it is. Mitchell Santner did well. He's got a pay rise. Um, Finn Allen got a pay rise. Up to 160000 for a, a guy who's really unproven. I mean, that's another punt taken by um, Mike Hesson and co. Not quite as big a punt as he did with Kyle Jamieson, of course, which was a serious one that went wrong. But uh, honestly, it is just mind-blowing the amounts of dollars. Having said that, uh, we're about to talk some, uh, hopefully talk some uh, NFL. Uh, and what about the money those quarterbacks and that are on? So, I mean, it blows it, blows it into out of the water, that, that kind of money. So yeah, um, be interesting just to, to speak to Ben Graham very shortly on that subject. So uh, we'll get across to the news. Uh, and uh, when we come back, Super Bowl. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Well, it's 9.32 here in New Zealand, but uh, it's all about watching Super Bowl this afternoon for us. It's Sunday uh, in America, of course, and that's where they will all, and it does stop a nation, be watching Super Bowl 56, the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, what a great story this is. And uh, fortunately, uh, we uh, here on SEN and SENZ will be able to get live commentary of it. And courtesy of our two men over there, uh, we've got Ben Graham, uh, who's about to join us shortly, and of course, Jared Waitley. Uh, they're at the ground. So, uh, good afternoon. I, I guess it's good afternoon to you, uh, American time. Ben, uh, thanks very much for giving us a little bit of time. 
Oh, no, my pleasure. I'd like to try and bring this to life for you, but it's just an amazing place to be. We've been in Los Angeles all week. The anticipation has been building all week. It's like this city has been built for this moment. This team has been built through the free agency and trade period, but they're ready. LA's ready. This stadium is unbelievable. It's almost $6 billion to build. It's an entire city, a sporting city in Inglewood, California. They're building the LA Clippers Stadium next door. It's more than a game, the Super Bowl. This is Super Bowl 56. I was lucky enough to play in Super Bowl 43. They've become back to the biggest sporting event on the planet to call a game with one of the sports great callers, Jared Waitley. It's an absolute honour and a privilege. So I'm really looking forward to that, but just as excited about what is about to unveil in this great game. Ben, does it bring back memories of your appearance in Super Bowl? I mean, you've had a fantastic career yourself. You played on an AFL Grand Final and, and a Super Bowl. I mean, never ever be replicated, I would imagine. So just can you just tell us your, your memories of your Super Bowl day? Yes, of course. Well, it, it was a long, a little bit of a fairy tale like the Cincinnati Bengals, I guess you'd say. I started the year playing for the New York Jets, and I was released twice. I got picked up by the New Orleans Saints, lucky enough to play a game in London at Wembley Stadium, only to be released to be picked up again by the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So it was a really rocky ride, 2008. But to play with the Cardinals for the remainder of that season through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl was just a dream come true, a little insight into what a brutal cutthroat industry the NFL is. But... To be the first Australian to play in the Super Bowl was just such an honour. Uh, we did not win the game, but it was more about the journey of that year and my career with my family than the actual result. But we did win the NFC Championship game to get to the Super Bowl. But Super Bowl week is just... its Look, I, I experienced it as a player, so you're trying to limit and minimise those distractions that come in the Super Bowl city. You spend the first week at home in your own bed preparing for the game the second week in the Super Bowl city. But being on this side of the fence, experiencing everything LA's got to offer has just been brilliant. It's just as exciting in the lead up to the game and arriving at the stadium this morning, we had the music blaring in the car. It was like we were going to play the game. The hairs on the back of the neck stood up when we rode, rode into this magnificent stadium. It's breathtaking. As I said, it's like a, it's a sporting city. Uh, in uh, South uh, Central Inglewood, Los Angeles. And I'm standing here now as the people are streaming in, they're tailgating, there's concerts going on everywhere. And we're still over three hours before the game. So it is just great to get back here. Ben, uh, obviously uh, the venue for Super Bowl has uh, decided well and truly in advance of the competition. So... Uh, how big an advantage that the, the Los Angeles Rams have uh, have been l lucky enough to play at home? How big an advantage for you on this day? Well, it's crazy to think that this is Super Bowl 56, the first four, 54 Super Bowls, not one team in it played at their home stadium. It happened last year for the first time with the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, and it's happening for the second time in two years. Look, the home, the home field advantage in the NFL isn't as big as what people think. It's only 51% of home teams win. Now, that's all sorts of different reasons. But if you're a good football team, 
you have a better chance of winning at home because of the way you're built. I think that gives the Rams the advantage because the Bengals are so young. I'm not going to say they're immature. They've got confidence and they've got swagger. They nothing. They don't fear. fear they don't fear anything. These uh, these young upstarts of the Cincinnati Bengals, but they're fun to watch. The fact that the LA Rams have been able to sleep in their own bed for the last three weeks, that's after the divisional game where they beat Tampa. They came back by the NFC Championship game here. They know the stadium inside and out. It'll be a Rams-dominated uh, crowd. It'll be loud. There are a few Cincinnati Bengals jerseys. They stand out wearing the orange, but either way... Uh, it's going to be, you would think, a Rams-dominated crowd, which, which, considering how long the NFL wasn't played in LA without having the team, and now they've got two teams, they're very well supported, the LA Rams and other Chargers, but the Rams are the ones who are able to get to this moment. So of the two quarterbacks, this has been a great story for both of them, of the two quarterbacks, uh, who do you feel is um, perhaps the stronger going into today? Well, I'm biased. I played with Matt Stafford at the Detroit Lions, so I know him personally. I know how he's built. He's a great leader. He builds great relationships. He's smart. But I just love the way he plays the game. He's a gunslinger. Uh, He plays on instinct. And and so does Joe Burrow. But for Matt Stafford to be in Detroit for 12 years, he'll be, if he was able to win today, he'll only be the third quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl in his first team, first year with a, a new team. But he's the experienced one. They're the experienced team. Joe Burrow, that is just another amazing story, though. When you think in the span of three years, he could win a Heisman, win a college national championship, be the number one overall pick, win a Super Bowl, and most likely, if they are to win, he will win the MVP. That's a that's as bigger and a quicker rise in sport that you could ever imagine from an individual perspective. But he has led the Cincinnati Bengals from a two and fourteen season two years ago to a four win season last year. So the fact that they've stuck with their young head coach Zach Taylor, they've built through the draft, they've beaten everyone that they've played in the back half of the season. They've deserved their spot in the playoffs. They're going to be. They're going to find it tough against that Rams defense today. But out of those two quarterbacks, we'll either find out that Joe Burrow will be the next Tom Brady, or Matt Stafford establishes his legacy as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Well, because they're both relatively fit, they've both got good legs, so that adds that extra dimension to their quarterback play. But what about, as you mentioned, the for the defense for the LA Rams led by Aaron Donald and Co. Is, is pretty formidable. Uh, he has. If that's the, is that the, one of the keys to the match for you? The pass protection for Joe Burrow. Oh, absolutely, and all because of. We'd be talking about it anyway because of Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines and Von Miller and you know Jalen Ramsey off the edge. Like they are a star-studded defense, but they come up against a really weak uh, Bengals offensive line, and we saw that two weeks ago in Tennessee. He was sacked nine times. Now, Joe Burrow's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season. So the, the battle of the trenches is going to be a really key to this to this game. The Rams have the edge, in my opinion, in most, most position groups, but definitely the D-line over the O-line of the Bengals. But, you know, 
it hasn't all been the Bengals' offense. Though the Bengals' defense have played their part, keeping opposition to to lower scores to keep them in the game. You've got to remember the Bengals are traditionally slow starters, so the defense generally starts well, and then their offense gets going and starts to roll. But I think for the for the Bengals to have a chance, they really need to force the turnovers to keep the Rams into third and long, and. You know, they really need to own that time of possession, control the football, otherwise a game might get away from them quick. So, Ben, in terms of the kicking, and, of course, we're in your avenue now, um, uh, what are the conditions like for the punters and, of course, uh, the goal kickers? Well, this uh, $6 billion stadium uh, has got a translucent roof over it. So it's I've heard it's going to be the third hottest Super Bowl in history. Uh, it's going to be 31 degrees here in LA. It's still only a tick before one o'clock. By the time it gets to 3.30, uh, it's going to be at that 31 degrees. But it is uh, four degrees cooler underneath the roof. It's absolutely ideal conditions for the specialists, for the quarterbacks, for the punters who are really playing an important role in any NFL game. They're quite underrated over here, but to the ability to flip the field is key. And of course, we're seeing two of the great field goal kickers, especially from this year. Evan McPherson was drafted in the fifth round, the only kicker to be drafted in last year's draft. He's been electric, ice through his veins, hasn't missed. And Matt Gay, he's also kicked a couple of field goals to win games uh, during the playoffs. So it might come down to which kicker uh, has got the ability to kick a field goal at the end of the game. I hope it is close. But yes, let's not forget that the special teams are just as important as the offense and defense. We saw that with the Green Bay Packers lose to the 49ers, all because of the special teams and the Packers just couldn't execute what was expected. But one thing's for sure, no one's complaining about the weather here in LA, guys. No, that's uh, that's great news because there's been some games played in some pretty rough conditions over uh, during uh, the playoffs, etc., and the... Uh, you know, the wildcard game. So that's great news. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for uh, giving us a, a little insight into uh, such a big occasion uh, for you. Uh, we're jealous. We're jealous that you, you're uh, Johnny on the spot. Uh, but we'll be watching up back over here in New Zealand. We'll rate very highly. So thank you and listen to you too as well. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm, look, I'm really enjoying looking enjoying LA, but I'm really looking forward to the call with Jared. Uh, we do cover the games on Monday mornings on SEN because there is a growing fan base in Australia and New Zealand. I just say, look, if you're one of those people that want to criticise the NFL because you don't understand the rules, learn them, understand them. Once you do that, you're going to fall in love with this game because there's a reason why this is the greatest sporting event on the planet. Good on you, Ben. Enjoy. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, what a wonderful day out for you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Thank you. We will. Yeah. Ben Graham there, um, of course you'll be able to hear him on SENZ uh, and SEN and if you're on Australia as well throughout uh, the course of that match along with Gerald Waitley who's a superb caller as he said, very experienced in a number of sports. It is the LA Rams, the Cincinnati Bengals and uh, we uh, throughout, the, uh, <coughs> well, throughout the, tomorrow anyway we'll have a, a comprehensive review of, of just how it went. Unbelievable amount of interest in this. To talk about those numbers for uh, television advertisements, I think that's a fair indication of it. 9.44 here on SENZ. Zealand, nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Mike has, has come in and said uh, Rams 34 uh, and the Bengals 13. So uh, fairly uh, high ratio of uh, support too for the Rams, I think it's fair to say. And uh, at the TAB at the moment, I think you get them a buck 46, uh, the LA Rams. A lot of interesting facts coming out of it as well. Uh, of course, we just mentioned uh, with Ben Graham that it's uh, now the second time in a row uh, that aside playing in the final is actually playing at their home ground. Uh, and that's interesting because for the first 54 years it never happened. And all of a sudden the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who played at home for the first time last year, uh, and then of course uh, the LA Rams this year. Uh, the Bengals have played in two previous Super Bowls, losing both of them to the 49ers, while the Rams have won one of their four previous appearances. Their coaches, incidentally, very, very important. I mean, a lot of focus you'll see on the coaches and the coverage as well. Uh, Zach Taylor from the Bengals, he's 38. And Sean McVeigh for the Rams, he's 36. So very young men in that respect. Um, and uh, if McVeigh wins, he will be the youngest ever uh, to win. So lots and lots of stats uh, coming out, John. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting indeed. And uh, as he said, he's there three and a half hours before kickoff. Uh, ben Graham, they were there three yeah. and a half hours getting set and just uh, taking it all in. What a city, LA. Um, man, and yeah, six, what, billion? Six billion dollar stadium? I mean, what? Six billion dollars, Smithy. That just, I can't even you know, compute what kind of stadium that would be. I mean, they're talking about a new one in Christchurch for how much? Is it half a billion or not even that much? It's. I don't know. I'm not sure it's that much, no. Yeah. As you said, they've got a translucent roof over the top of it. Um, and, and, you know, just 70-odd thousand, I think, will be in there, shoulder to shoulder. Um, and just imagine um, imagine the, the beer and the hot dogs and things. <laughs> yeah. Stadium, let, alone, <laughs> let alone around America. I, I'd imagine America, because it's beer and hot dogs sort of a day, that the supermarkets go absolutely crazy uh, with Budweiser and Miller and all that stuff. And then hot dogs and wings. Ugh. Gee. Absolutely, and then what did you say? Five million dollars for a thirty-second ad uh, during yeah. halftime. Yeah. It's just, uh, just incredible sums of money being spent all around the place. Well, it, it, actually, you can Google if you Google um, um, Super Bowl ads, you can see um, the last twenty, the last twenty favorite ones or something, and some of them you'll recognise because uh, they played after the event as well. So some of them you will recognise, some of them you won't. Um, and and well, I just looked at one this morning. Funnily enough, it was uh, Cindy Crawford pulling up to a service station in a Maserati. No, it was a Ferrari, actually. And uh, she got out, um, went and got a, a can of Pepsi. Uh, it was, an, it, I mean, a really hard hard one to script. Just gone out of the car looking like Balls Cindy Crawford <laughs> does, of course. <laughs> two young guys, two young boys looking over the fence, uh, playing in the uh, paddock nearby, looking over the fence, just saying, man, what a beautiful can. That Pepsi, <laughs> just a new style of Pepsi can. Yeah. They pay five and a half million bucks to put it on. Incredible. Holy moly, yeah. And then the halftime entertainment, they'll be getting their fair share of money as well. So it is one of those days where it's just the extravagance of the US on show, isn't it, Smithy? And do you, does the game live up to the hype normally in Super Bowl? Quite often doesn't. It quite often doesn't, actually. Quite often it's a fizzer. Uh, and not to mention, you know, as you said, the halftime acts as well. It's, I mean, the most sought-after gig to get halftime at Super Bowl for all all uh, performers. That that um, if you're part of that, you're going to rate through the roof and be very popular if you get it right. Janet Jackson didn't quite get it right. Remember all those years ago, and has never forgotten about it. It's nine fifty three. 
953 here on SENZ. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Put our faith in Manchester United over the weekend. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, they couldn't beat Southampton. They drew 1-1. So uh, that was the end of that mouldy quick smart. Uh, Manchester United will be thinking about uh, more often about uh, not taking you. So we won't today. Uh, LA Rams to beat Cincinnati. We've been talking Super Bowl uh, all the time this morning. So yeah, LA Rams to beat Cincinnati. We'll take the favourites at a buck forty-six. Uh, T20 a game of cricket tonight. Ireland will beat Nepal at a dollar forty. I believe that. Uh, and tomorrow morning, quite early, West Bromwich Albion to beat Blackburn Rovers, uh, and that's at a buck seventy-two. So, quite a little start to the week. Nice little three dollars fifty-two uh, to get us underway per unit. So, that's what we are looking at now. After the break, we're, we're going to talk to uh, Suns Singh, and Suns is actually the strength and conditioning coach for Israel Adesanya, but he also does the same job for the All Whites, and of course, he's uh, now. In quarantine as we speak, uh, watching. Uh, hopefully he watched uh, uh, Israel's fight yesterday big time uh, and he'll give us a, a real uh, update on how he saw it and uh, a little bit more about Adesanya and that uh, amazing approach that he's got to fighting except for the strength and conditioning. Um, incredible. Uh, just to watch that and now of course we're hearing what, nine figures? A nine figure contract? That's a lot of hooch, a lot of money. Uh, 10 o'clock here on SENZ, UFC shortly. Gentlemen, after five rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. The judges score the contest 48 47, 48 47, and 49 46 for the winner by unanimous decision. And Was that the fight you expected from Robert Whitaker? I knew he was going to bring everything. I knew he was going to bring everything because last time I took everything away from him. So he had nothing to lose. And like I said, I'm the champ. You want to come get it. So that was Israel Adesanya. Still the UFC middleweight champion after seeing off a pretty stern challenge, you have to say, from Australia's Robert Whitaker. Uh, UFC 271 in Houston yesterday. So uh, he knocked Whitaker down in the first round, um, but it was uh, a relatively close margin, although unanimous 48 47, 48 47, 49 46 by the three judges. And, uh, very interesting. And a man I'm sure would have been uh, even more interested in it uh, than most of us uh, was happily watching it in MIQ back in New Zealand. Uh, is it Adesanya's strength and conditioning coach Sun Singh? Uh, Sun's, good morning to you. Uh, tell us, uh, uh, tell us a wee bit your emotions as uh, you know them so well as you watch the fight. Oh, look! Thanks for having me. I, I normally when I watch uh, Israel or any of the boys, I'm I'm just dead 
dead silence still. I'm not moving and I'm waiting. I'm almost, almost, you'll think I'm a statue. And it's just hearing that intro just recently on the phone now with, with the announcer and Israel winning is just sent goosebumps to me again. So it's always uh, that feeling of like the first time every time. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was really pleasing. I mean, at the end of the fifth round, we, we, we were con- confident with it. Okay, uh, before we get to, uh, to more about Israel Adesanya, you're in MIQ at the moment, Suns, because you've been away uh, with the All Whites. First of all, that's been quite a long campaign. How, lo- how long have you been away? Um, so I was, well, I couldn't go to the October and November window because I didn't have an MIQ spot uh, to go with the team. So a few of the staff, they have been on the other side of the world since October, and this is the first time they're coming back. So, uh, I mean, it's rough. It was rough for them. Uh, so I finally got a spot to go on this tour. So I went out and obviously got back. So lucky for that. What's the feeling in the camp over there? Of course, the last game, uh, I guess, his biggest arm was called off. So one game shy of uh, the preparation that they were ideally hoping for. So uh, as you left the squad as such, how did you feel the, the mood was and the confidence levels? Oh, I, the the mood the mood is great. The mood I think because the culture within the team is so strong and the trust within the team is so strong at the moment. Um, disappointing that we couldn't play uh, the last game, and of course we wanted to do a few things. But I think the mood and the feel within the squad was fairly confident and, and good spirits. Talking to uh, Sun Singh here is the strength and conditioning coach for Israel Adesanya, and also uh, with the All Whites. So. Uh, that uh, brings a, an interesting question for me, Sons, because you're talking about two entirely different sports here, two entirely different physiques. We, we see football players get a, a little touch on the ankle and they're, they're down and rolling around in absolute agony, yet, yet your, your fighters take it on the chin literally um, you know, five, six, seven times around. So uh, tell, us, tell us about the way you work with the strength and conditioning for football as opposed to UFC. Yeah, I guess uh, with the footballers, they play to the rules of the game and the referee, so they know where they can get what they need to. <laughs> uh, now, look, uh, the S&C side um, for, the, for fighting, of course, or combat sport and football, um, I guess is fairly similar, except the conditioning parts where we know football, we cover a lot of ground, you know, 10 to 12Ks versus um, MMA is quite a, you know, high-intensity sort of just rapid bursts and then it only lasts, you know, maximum 25 or 15 minutes of fight, or if you're lucky, a couple of minutes. So I guess some of the movements are similar in regards to the weight room movements. Uh, it's just controlled in regards to the weight that's needed uh, for each individual. So I guess there's not uh, how I look at it with, with different sporting codes is, you know, everybody needs to jump, land, twist, turn, and etc. So it's just training it based on the number of those actions within your sport. So I just look at it in that, that manner. Okay, well, so let's, if we look at uh, Israel Adesanya, I mean, quite clearly his, his technique is superior to a lot of the guys he come up against. But what about his body makeup? Uh, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I look at him as physique. For instance, I look at his legs, and his legs look actually quite skinny to me. Yeah, but he gets so much power into his kicks, etc. So what about the, the body yeah. shape of, of Adesanya that's different? Yes, the, the thing is, a difficult thing, I guess, with 
uh, SNC with someone like Adesanya is just the height. Uh, lever lengths are quite uh, quite long, so sometimes certain movements you'd you'd need to make sure you're staying within a safe range. But I guess he's he processes information and and he adapts to things fairly well because his movement uh, unloaded is is fairly good. And I guess knee down, it's you know shins are fairly normal, but if up close and personal, the man's uh, quads and thighs are fairly dense and thick. How much uh, of your time uh, goes, uh, your strength and conditioning time, uh, goes into uh, his ability to block and to get out of those takedown attempts that uh, Whitaker had a crack at yesterday? So there's certain movements we we would sort of train that would allow, so you look at movements to get out of it. So we train the muscles that create that action. So, I mean, perfect thing is if on your back with a very strong hip thrust. So that, that's one example to demonstrate how obviously get them off you. So we, we train uh, the muscles required for actions to get out of certain positions. What about the, the training um, that you do? We, we see him doing uh, quite a lot of hill running, etc. How many miles mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, approaching fight time? How many miles a, a week or kilometers a week is, is Israel hitting those hills? Oh, look, the, those hills, <laughs> the hills are quite brutal. Uh, it's quite long as well. So, I mean, you, you, you'd cover any, anywhere between, you know, 5Ks of just hills. Uh, and, and they do it for weeks, uh, six-ish odd weeks out. So uh, it's, it's quite, quite intense because it's not normal sort of flat running on the road. It's, it's hills take a lot out of you. So you don't even need that much. Uh, you don't need that many kilometers off it. It's just the intensity that you apply while you're doing it. So how would you compare, say, 25 minutes uh, in the octagon? Would that be, what, a 90-minute football game or, or more excessive than that? No, I think it's because the energy systems are so, so different in regards to the start-stop of a few seconds versus constant running of a football. It's just two different ends of the spectrum. I mean, if I had to take a fighter and put them into a football session, they'd be gassed very quick. And if I take a footballer and do that into a boxing sort of session or even an MMA session, they'll, they'll be gassed because they're not stimulated in that manner. So it's two very, very different energy systems that I use. So uh, if you don't train it, you're never going to be good at it. In between rounds, most, uh, most fighters go straight for the stool, sit on the stool, and, and uh, look like they're very happy to do that. Uh, Israel doesn't do that. Uh, he stays uh, on his feet. What's the reason behind that? Oh, look, Izzy is uh, just very, very, very fit and very composed. And he does a lot of breathing work, etc. So, and as well, it, it plays with the mind of the opposition that you're not sitting down. So it already puts them in panic mode that look at him, he's not even sitting down. He must be feeling fresh and you sitting down, tired on the other end. Uh, yeah, it just plays a little bit uh, with their mind as well. What did you make of uh, the other uh, performances uh, yesterday? Uh, Blood Diamonds? Yeah, look, Blood Diamond, it, it was a, you know, first one, big moment, and he saw an opening when the guy, I think, tripped uh, at the start of the first round, and he went in, and it almost played into the hands of the opponent's, uh, I guess, game plan. So, you know, he'll be, he'll be back. That's the nature of not just fighting, it's just the nature of sport, you know. 
you win, you lose, you come back, you make adjustments. So I, I think he'll be he'll be fine. Well, after a first uh, round, uh, first up loss in the UFC, uh, Carlos Ulberg uh, was able to get his first win, uh, and he looked. Uh, I think the criticism of, of, of him, uh, in his first fight was that he, he he did too much too early and ran out of gas. He looked uh, to pace it better yesterday. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a perfect example as well. The first fight, first fight that Bloods had. Uh, so I guess he came in very well composed and and took care of of business and and the game plan and stuck to it rather than letting the moment get to them and uh, I guess get excited. So yeah, he was very composed, very composed. And tell us about the the future of this exciting young fighter that you've got, Kai Carter, France. Oh. Kai Kara France, yeah. So he's a, a lot of people are sleeping on him, or I guess a lot of people in the uh, flyweight will know about him. But yeah, he's one fight away from the title shot in the flyweights, and yeah, he's one of the strongest and most powerful fighters out there, pound for pound. Um, he's yeah one of the most professional uh, athletes I think I've ever come across in regards to his routines and the way he goes about his his body and taking care and making sure. His priorities are checked off. So, yeah, he's someone uh, that I, I can see fighting for the title really soon. So he's got a got a fight in March, and that's probably the title eliminator for the shot with the champ. Sons, just uh, finally, these three fighters that were on show yesterday, it's been well documented about the problems getting people back home from overseas, and uh, no one's had more difficulty than the guys... Uh, fighting UFC, but uh, what is the pl- immediate plans for these three fighters? Are they going to stay over there, or do they come home? What, what's happening? Uh, they, they'll probably, obviously, have a little downtime, and then they'll head back and straight straight into training again. Uh, there's no, there's never, we don't really have too much of uh, downtime. Normally, it's like a week, and then we get straight back into it. The moment they land, and of course, now with the way the situation is they'll have to do isolation and then once they're out of iso they straight back into into the gym i mean before the whole you know pandemic was about if they land two days later they're back in the gym they just want to keep active and for you sons uh, in particular i mean the world cup qualifiers not too far away now for the all whites will will you be uh, spreading your time in between the all whites and the fighters or are you committed one way or the other so it's it's easy for me to, of course, go away with the all whites and keep in touch with the boys online while I'm I'm away. Uh, so they they're very good at at taking care of of their work while I'm away, and obviously we keep in touch online and video calls, etc. So it, it's fairly easy. So I'll go with the all whites for the qualifiers um, while the boys train. So it wouldn't be too long away, but it's it's very manageable. Well, Sons, it's been great catching up with you on both counts, actually, with uh, the All-Whites and, of course, uh, your relationship with these fighters. Uh, really interesting, too, to find out a little bit more behind the scenes. Thanks so much for your time, and yeah. uh, enjoy MIQ if you can. Uh, cheers, mate. I'm out today, so happy days. <laughs> Whoa! Fantastic. That's great news. <laughs> Celebrate well. <laughs> Will do, mate. Cheers. Sons Singh there. Yeah, yeah Sons Singh there. Uh, fascinating job he's got, isn't he? Strength and conditioning coach for... Israel Adesanya, amongst the other fighters as well. Uh, and, of course, with the, the All-Whites too. So real high-profile uh, clients, I guess you've got to say. High-profile clients with the big missions 
uh, coming up over the next 12 months in particular, and that big, big contract for Israel Adesanya. Uh, that is an astronomical amount of money. 10.17 here on SENZ. We'll have a panel when we return. And uh, Brad Lewis, uh, Brad uh, in particular, I'm sure you were uh, glued to the telly yesterday, UFC 271. Uh, fair enough result for, for Adesanya, just dominant? Yeah, look, he... Um this is probably harsh, but he, he look, he won, in my opinion, four of the five rounds. There's definitely an argument that Rob won rounds four and five, and two is what we call a swing round in the sport, but Izzy did enough to win that round for me. Um, and, and look, we've got, we had the two best middleweights in the world by a long way against each other. It was always going to be a close fight, and, and Izzy just, just too aggressive. Uh, kept the fight where he wanted to. Rob got takedowns, but Izzy got up straight away. Um, and controlled um, the octagon, you know, had the fight where he wanted for 90% of the fight. And, and for me, it was a it was a decision win for Izzy, um, and the judges backed that up as well. What are we hearing uh, about this this new contract, uh, this astronomical figure? Yeah, look, I'm I'm hearing it's reasonably cr- close to the sort of money that Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar have been on in the past. Um, I mean, Conor Conor makes about $5 million a fight as a flat rate. So it's reasonably close to that. I'm not quite at Conor McGregor level yet. He's not the worldwide draw card. But he's, from, from my understanding, he's now the second highest paid player, uh, fighter in the UFC. So uh, um, no one's ever going to make Conor McGregor money. The guy has such a massive worldwide appeal. Uh, and, and Brock Lesnar was very similar to that. Um, but, but yeah, um, Izzy's definitely up there. And, look, if I could throw out a number, I, I would assume, and I have no concrete evidence on this, that he's making close, probably close to $3 million a fight on his new deal. Wow. Okay, that is uh, some serious hay, that. Uh, not so much uh, for Blood Diamond and Carlos Allberg, although Carlos Allberg, Brad, was uh, just a little bit more impressive than uh, first fight. Yeah, look, he uh, he was so patient. I spoke to Carlos last week, and he, he, he had a feeling the fight would be boring because he watching um, video of Charant, he, he doesn't he's not an aggressive fighter, and so Carlos's plan was just to sort of sit and counter strike, which he couldn't do. So he ended up having to lead, uh, and he was just completely dominant, shut out on the scorecards. Uh, unfortunately for for Blood Diamond, he didn't get a chance to show off his amazing kickboxing skills uh, against a really good grappler in Jeremiah uh, Wells. But look, a tough tough first up fight. Uh, Blood just sort of rushed in there at the start of the fight looking for, for that knockout and got caught in a takedown and that was the end of his night unfortunately but he'll be back, he's super super talented um, and Carlos is a guy to watch Smithy I really think the guy has the ability to, to win gold in the light heavyweight division in time OK, we'll keep an eye on that uh, Good news overnight, uh, Jamie, for uh, Ryan Fox uh, winning uh, a second time actually in, the, in that particular tour but by far his most prestigious victory yeah, yeah, great news. Uh, good morning, guys. Um, great news for Ryan Fox, uh, you know, a guy who's just plugged away in the background and been representing New Zealand on the on the world stage so well. Um, I think he got round, what was it, 22 under, uh, which is a pretty mm. pretty decent score scorecard. And, um, you know, he's he's had, had plenty to say um, over the last few months about, uh, you know, coming home and, and the MIQ situation and everything. And, and hopefully this, this one will just sort of push him back into the limelight because I think what what he's saying is... a is a valuable contribution to the to the discussion. So, well done to Ryan Fox. He's, um, uh, you know, it's been a pretty good time for New Zealand golf lately with Lydia Coe's win as well. So, you know, uh, best of luck to him, and uh, hopefully it means it'll be a big year for him. Well, Kiwi's uh, making money all over the place too, Jamie, because 
Uh, we've just talked uh, with Brad about this lucrative contract, this new one for Adesanya in particular, but uh, um, uh, Ryan Fox making uh, around $400,000. And uh, over the weekend, uh, two or three cricketers getting it in the back pocket as well, something substantial. Yeah, the cricketers must, it must be Christmas for them uh, around, around this time of year because, you know, yeah, all of a sudden uh, Lockie Ferguson's a lot richer than he was yesterday, uh, on, on Friday rather. Um, and it could pay out for Devin Conway as well. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I, I do have to question the logic behind Lockie Ferguson getting, what was it, a couple of million and, and, uh, and Conway getting a couple hundred thousand. Like how you can value one, of, one ten times more than the other, uh, especially in T20 where a guy like Conway uh, can, can win your game with the bat. Uh, probably more often than a guy like Ferguson will win it with you with the ball is uh, is, is kind of staggering. But you know, it's that's other people's money that, that, that they're playing with. Um, you know, uh, so I, I'm not. It's an interesting way of going about uh, doing it. You know, an auction rather than a than a draft. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's some good good money for those guys that set them up, um, and uh, hopefully they'll shine in the IPL. It is serious money, uh, I believe, uh, anyway, Brad, because uh, we just talked about uh, Adesanya's pay packet. Uh, but, you know, the, for me, for, I, I can't quite get my head around the fact that you get a couple of million dollars for bowling four overs max every three or four days. I, I, I just struggle with that. Maybe I'm jealous. <laughs> if you look into the unsold list, and that's where, where the evidence lies for me, is that these teams are pretty stacked with, with leg spin bowlers, uh, and with top-order batsmen. It's all-rounders and pace, where the, the international all-rounders and pace, unless you're a Pat Cummins or a Josh Hazelwood, you know, it's the, it's the Ben Stokeses of the world, the Marcus Stoinises of the world and what have you. Um, you know, those, those world-class all-rounders, and then your you're out-and-out pace bowlers that, that, um, from international teams that get picked up, because I'm, I'm, my guess is that these teams are pretty stacked with top-order batsmen uh, and, and slow bowlers um, coming out of the subcontinent. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that Adam Zampa hasn't been sold. The guy is an unbelievable bowler. Uh, and but there's I guess there's like five or six Adam Zampers going around in Indian domestic cricket that aren't going to cost the type of money that he costs. And you know Adil Rashid's another one. East Sodi's another one. We're talking three of the top five or six leg spinners in the world that haven't been picked up. Um, you know, and, and let's not even start with Steve Smith. I guess it hasn't been a sort of great few years for him in T20 cricket, but he's, he's still one of the best batsmen in the world. But that, that, mm. This is the thing: is that these teams are after all-rounders and out-and-out pace, which is why Lockie Ferguson's been picked up because he'd be the quickest. You know, he's one of the top three or four fastest bowlers on the planet, and that's what these teams are needing: is out-and-out quick bowling at the death, particularly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I totally understand your concept, and I, th- I also think it, it, it's very important, actually, where you're placed in the auction as well. But uh, stay with us, guys. Uh, please, if you can, uh, some interesting stuff to talk about after the news. It's 10.30. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Brad Lewis and Jamie Wall with us this morning. And uh, Mark Todd, Jamie, in the headlines, uh, again, not so much for jumping fences or training horses, but for uh, bad conduct and has had to apologise to the horse as well. Yeah, not a great look for Sir Mark Todd, I have to say. Um, even though, uh, if you'd told me that someone taking to a horse with a whip was going to get them in trouble, um, I, it was, uh, I'd find that reasonably confusing, considering that that's what they do on uh, racetracks uh, every single time they race. But 
anyway, like it was, um, it didn't look great uh, for him. A guy that's uh, should be, you know, be held as a held as a national hero, given his, his feats at the Olympics and everything. But uh, he said he was sorry. Um, you know, it, it's also it's it's an environment where uh, he he he's been in for a long time, and people who live in cities and, and away from horses uh, probably wouldn't have any any idea about. So. I'm I'm willing to take his apology, uh, you know, uh, in the right way, and uh, just sort of get on with it. But I mean, th- those sort of things happen on farms. Um, so um, if, <laughs> if people don't like seeing that sort of stuff, they probably shouldn't be watching it. No, and perhaps people shouldn't be filming it and putting it all around the world either. But we say that on a daily basis about life in general. To be perfectly honest, uh, today uh, biggest day in American sport annually, uh, Brad, and that of course is uh, is Super Bowl day. Yeah. Uh, do you, does it get you, and, and uh, uh, if it does, why today? Yeah, look, I'll be watching it from work, at, um, start work at midday, so that's a nice way to, to spend four hours today is watching this, the Super Bowl, which is a four-hour effort if, if you dig in there. But look, it's, it's probably not too fashionable teams from a New Zealand perspective. You know, we're used to, like, you know, Tom Brady and, you know, uh, uh, the, the Packers and the Patriots and these sort of teams. But, look, the Rams uh, have been really, really good in the playoffs uh, with uh, with Stafford at the back. He's a He's been had a phenomenal year this year, and they have an amazing uh, wide receiver as well. Uh, so, f- for me, they're probably the favorites. But, um, hey, man, the Bengals looking for their first the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it's a pretty cool story if they can do it, considering where they were two years ago as the laughing stock of the league and now... Now they're in the in, in the major game, the Super Bowl, uh, looking to, to claim their first ever championship against a team that hasn't won in, in 20, 22, 23 years. Well, of course, uh, Jamie, American sport attracts a lot of attention, purely on a population basis, if nothing else. But it's a different kind of finale, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the NBA has played over a series of games, the final. Uh, and if you look at uh, Major League Baseball, the World Series has played over what, the best of seven games. Here we've just got a cutthroat game which grabs America by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's part of the appeal of the NFL. You know, you have Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL, which all have, uh, you know, 80 to 160 games a, a season. Uh, so it's on pretty much every, every couple of days. Uh, but football, you know, every game means something. Every game um, has playoff permutations and... So it makes sense that the, that the final would be one game uh, itself, and obviously the nature of the game uh, lends itself to that. But, I mean, Brad just touched on it before, um, the storyline. Uh, the great thing about American sport is it throws up these storylines. You have two great ones um, today with Matt Stafford, who slogged away in Detroit um, for over a decade uh, and did his best, um, and almost, but almost um, had that, that dreaded bust uh, attached to him for that whole time. Um, and now he's he's made a move to to a team and may win a Super Bowl in, in its first his first ch- uh, chance with that team. And then on the other side you have Joe Burrow, a guy who's won a college championship and a Heisman Trophy, and uh, missed his rookie season most of his rookie season with injury last year. But his first real chance, he's grabbed it and become one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. So just really intriguing um, showdown between a veteran and, and a young gun. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Myself, I'm picking the, the Rams to come out on top. I just think that they've just got a better all-round team, and perhaps uh, Joe Burrow's uh, moment in the sun won't be too far away, though. I think they're about 125 to 1, Brad, to start, the start of the whole season, yeah. uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, to win Super Bowl, about 125 to 1. Uh, so this yeah, would be a hell of a story if Burrow got them up. 
It would, and it shows you what a elite quarterback can do to a team, right? Like uh, as as Jamie said, like you know, Burrow's been been absolutely outstanding this year. And look, they've they've been the underdog in every single game they've played. They beat the top seed in the Titans. They beat everybody's favorite in the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. And who's to say they won't do it again today? I, I don't think they can win a shootout. So I think their defense is going to need to be really really good to shut down the Rams. I don't think they can win a game sort of thirty seven thirty six. They could win the game sort of nineteen to. 15 or something like that so they're going to need to keep it close because um, if if it's an open game then then the rams have the offensive weapons to to dominate jamie good news for our women's uh, rugby players the black ferns in particular uh, news coming through this morning 29 fully contracted black ferns uh, leading them uh, in their preparation etc for the world cup yeah i'm actually i'm standing right next to them uh as we speak, I um, just had a couple of interviews with um, with uh, Ruahe Dumont and Eloise Blackwell uh, down here in Kingsland. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a very important time. Um, personally, it's for me, for me it's, uh, it should have happened a while back because uh, you saw the issues that happened with the Black Ferns on their tour uh, last year um, and what not having fully contracted players. Uh, the effect of that, again, when you are playing against fully contracted players. So they have a lot, lot of work to do um, before the World Cup later this year, uh, which is being held, obviously, here in New Zealand. Uh, but this is a pretty good start. Um, uh, still a few question marks over Super Rugby Opiki and when exactly that will take place and in, in what sort of format. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, the more rugby they can play, um, the better we get. There's obviously going to be a full Farrah Palmer Cup season as well and it's, it's I've uh, just been informed that there will be test matches against the USA and Canada, uh, whether they'll be here or overseas uh, remains to be seen. So, you know, the, the fixtures are in place. And it is worth remembering, though, that in 2020, at the start of 2020, before the pandemic happened, uh, there were 13 test matches set down for the Black Men. So things were already being set in, set in motion by New Zealand Rugby in, uh, uh, in preparation for this World Cup. So, yeah, it's a good day for women's rugby in New Zealand, um, but a long way to go before um, we're really going to know what's going to happen at this World Cup. Uh, Jamie, uh, France look, uh, I mean, they, they look very good against the All Blacks. They looked uh, perhaps even better against Ireland. Uh, they they uh, are clearly number one now, uh, as we stand right now? Well, you have to, th- have to think so. Um, obviously, the, uh, the, the, the Six Nations really does uh, throw up a lot of um, interesting... Uh, fermentations at this time of year because of how quickly things can change in Northern Hemisphere rugby. Um, but the thing that I think is making people really recognise France as the real deal is that not only are they keeping the same team from week to week, which is a very un-French thing to do, uh, they're also playing the same style. Uh, they, they've got, they've got, they seem to have um, a personality or a, uh, of their own of that team where you, you sort of know what you're up against. And they've got probably, they've definitely got the world's best halves combination at the moment into Pond and Intermac, who just uh, took, took um, Ireland apart, you say. And that's a very good Ireland team as well, you know, like they didn't play badly either. Mm. And that's an Ireland team that's going to be coming down here in July uh, to play against the All Blacks, who, you know, if they can pull off a decent Six Nations campaign, are going to be coming down here full of confidence, you know, uh, and that's going to be a really interesting series. Uh, for the first time in ages, we're going to have a really interesting uh, mid-year All Black series. Uh, Brad, uh, of course, just staying on the rugby uh, note as well, uh, Super Rugby expected to get it underway uh, this week, but, man, what a nightmare it's been for uh, Moana Pacifica, uh, you know, not even able to get involved and uh, 
that uh, last weekend, uh, that uh, last hit out last weekend. So what chance for those those poor guys, really? Yeah, they're on a high into nothing, right? Like, uh, it's it's really unfortunate. Uh, a lot of good vibes around with the minor Pacifica team. Like, I think they've done a really good job in pre-season with some of the social media that they've put out there. They've been very uh, media savvy in terms of making themselves and anyone you want to talk to available, which is extremely rare in rugby in New Zealand um, with any super rugby or national team, if I can just take a quick jab at New Zealand rugby for a sec. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's really unfortunate uh, and... Yeah, I mean, they, they, as I said, they're now on a hiding to nothing in terms of on the field, uh, which, is, which, is, which is a shame because, you know, I think they were probably going to be up against it anyway uh, this season um, with, with their roster um, as it was. So, yeah, it's just sort of taking the shine off. Um, and just quickly, Smithy, um, I love this French team. Uh, they caught the All Blacks with their, hand, with their pants down last year. Fico is an outstanding centre. Man, that guy can play rugby. And as Jamie so rightly pointed out, Intermac and DuPont are unbelievable uh, as a combination. And, and yeah, he's right. Like Picking the same team every week, it goes to show that rotation can be flawed. Um, and their fullback is an outstanding player as well, and Jaminé. So they have got world-class players and world-class positions. And um, they, they are the early favourites um, this far out from a World Cup. Um, for me, especially when they're playing at home. Okay, gents, uh, fantastic that coverage this morning on all those particular subjects. I really do appreciate uh, your part in the panel this morning. Brad Lewis there uh, and Jamie Wall on a number of issues. We'll take a a very short break. We'll have another panel, of course, uh, tomorrow morning at the same time. Short break now and uh, come back with a few other observations. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Fred Fulpock comes in from Christchurch and said the Bengals to beat the Rams 29-27. What a game of footy that'll be if that is uh, the scoreline this afternoon. LA Rams, Cincinnati Bengals, Super Bowl. Uh, comment uh, from uh, someone without uh, putting their name to it. Anyway, uh, those comments are terrible from Jamie Ree. Mark Todd, jockeys, well, not so much about Mark Todd. What he did uh, wasn't great, uh, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if you've seen footage of it, but, but that was a fairly decent-sized stick. Uh, jockeys don't beat the crap out of horses, likewise farmers with their stock. In fact, uh, jockeys uh, have had the number of times they can hit horses reduced uh, quite significantly over uh, the last few seasons. Um, and now, of course, you can be fined for excessive use of the whip. Uh, in terms of um, the farming side of things, uh, they use prods and things to get them through uh, the gates, don't they? The stockyards, etc. Uh, moving them along a wee bit, uh, some of the cattle, but... Yeah, what uh, Mark Todd uh, did was quite obviously totally unacceptable, and that is the reason why uh, he's having to apologise all around the scene, John. And it doesn't—it uh, just goes to show you're not even safe on the farm or uh, wherever on the training paddocks these days uh, with phones and cameras, etc., around. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I I don't spend a lot of time with animals, but it was shocking to see. Uh, and on social media, I think someone um, summed it up pretty well. You can lead a horse to water, then you just hit it with a massive stick. Um, that came out there. So not to make light of the situation, but that's what it was like. This horse kind of runs up, doesn't it, to some water and then just stops dead in its tracks. And then old Toddy comes up behind it with a good, well, I don't know, four-foot stick and just starts whipping it until it actually gets in the water. And whether that's part of a training technique or something, I don't know. But it did seem a bit barbaric to me. Well, they have water jumps, don't they, I suppose, and 
Uh, that's the thing about water jumps is, is that if you watch show, jump, show jumping or the cross country and show jumping, quite often you'll see horses balk at the water. Uh, sometimes yeah. they throw their riders into the drink and they stop short of it, and it, that looks quite funny. But I, I guess for the equestrian rider, it's not funny at all, or the owner or whoever. Uh, and so they certainly... <laughs> It's certainly, and I shouldn't be laughing about this, but he's certainly trying to make sure that that horse in particular in future events doesn't stop at the water. Uh, but, uh, I mean, if it could have the re- could it ha- not have the reverse effect. It beat the living crap out of a horse because it doesn't like the water. It doesn't, is it going to make it like water? Yeah, like biffing your kid into the pool if it doesn't like, you know, swimming. <laughs> I mean, it can go either way, can't it, Smithy? And at the end of the day, yeah. there's probably better ways to go about your business. And Mark Todd is learning this the hard way. I mean, this has gone right around the world. I see it was a massive article on the BBC this morning. So he's got a, a reputation to uphold, and I think he's done the right thing in apologising and I think we can perhaps all forgive him as long as uh, he just doesn't do it again, which I'm sure he won't. No, I doubt that he will. No, if he does, he'll make sure that... I wouldn't say it's probably the first time. Would you say it's the first no, time? No, no, absolutely not. He just got unlucky, got unlucky the first time? <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know. No, so, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that, um, the Mark Hodd side of things as well, just to see if there's any repercussions from that, but... Uh, we'll also uh, catch up now with the Louis Herman Watt in the TAB. Big weekend of racing just gone. What were Louis's impressions? He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And if you love racing, you'd have loved Tarapa on Saturday. Uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, all over that. Uh, Louis, uh, terrific performance. Coventina Bay in the Herbie Dyke. Oh, Smitty, isn't it just fantastic when the good guys win? You know, Robbie Patterson, just a kind of a, a casual old Southlander up in Taranaki representing the Central Districts with this fantastic Sham Express mare out of Windsor Park. Just the good guys win, you know? It's his first group one by himself. He has a, an Oaks win with Kevin Gray back in the day. But Robbie just deserved it. The mayor deserved it. And I just loved it. I actually loved I loved watching the mayors win over the weekend. I don't know about you, Smithy, but there's something a bit more um, satisfying, seeing a good mayor win a race. Tefane, Coventina Bay, Levante, Probabil. I loved it. Well, Levante was outstanding. Uh, I watched that run, and uh, I think it was a really good ride as well. Just asking, uh, just asking uh, on Trivier to do uh, a little bit more than perhaps she could from uh, the head start at the turn, but beautifully rated and well-deserved for Ken Kelso. Yeah, and, and I did it this morning. I have been harsh on Ryan Elliott from time to time, but, man, he's riding well. God, he's riding well. That, that was, wasn't that a fantastic ride? You know, not mm. many people outride O.P. Blossom. Oh, Patrick Blossom. But he, he knew that she, he was pocketed, and he um he just nicked it off the bend. It's fantastic. Levante, I'll be so curious to see whether, whether they take her to Australia now, because she's figured out some quirks. I think she will go. It'll be tough, though, because I don't know whether Ken and Bev will go or with COVID opening up, whether it makes it a bit easier. Um, Coventina yeah. Bay. Robbie said to us this morning, Smithy, that they want to have a crack at the Doombin Cup with her. They reckon she's that good. Very exciting time. Exciting times, as uh, as you say. Uh, Louis, thanks very much for your time this morning. Have uh, 
a, a great day. Uh, BP, Brendan Popwell at the TAB uh, very shortly, um, and we'll get uh, an update hopefully on the market for Super Bowl. Imagine a lot of money flooding in now uh, for both the Rams. So uh, BP, can you confirm that Super Bowl money coming in? Yeah, mate. Uh, look, we've got Super Bowl money coming in for the Rams, but we've also seen money for the outsiders. Punters are, are very keen to back Cincinnati as well. We've actually just taken, in the last half an hour, 9600 on the Bengals to win at 255 We've also seen money around the anytime uh, touchdown market. Odell Beckham, since joining the Rams, he's been terrific. He's been the best back player in the anytime touchdown, along with uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, they have been the better back players there. The most popular power play... These are a couple of nice power plays. One touchdown and one field goal in each half at $1.44. And this is the one I'll be getting into. Cooper Cup, 100-plus receiving yards and one touchdown in the match at $2.62. We've also seen money for the Rams, $20,000 on the Rams to be up by three points or more in the first half at $1.92. There's a number of different bets flooding in. It's going to be a great match to watch, Smithy. I'm looking forward to it, BP. Absolutely glued to it uh, when it uh, kicks off. Uh, shortly, uh, it's not that far away, actually, about uh, an hour away. So uh, BP there at the TAB, thank you very much for that market. Uh, and the money really starting to come in. Late money. I like that bet. $9,000 at two fifty-five. dollars Wow. Uh, Chris has just come in and said, Louis is likely to name his firstborn child Coventina. He may well do that, too. Tina for short. Hmm. That's some, uh, some thought over the news. I think uh, we're going to head into a news break now. Uh, and when we come back, uh, our coast-to-coast champion, Braden Curry, will be with us. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Endurance running, endurance sport, actually, is the subject now as uh, we turn our attention to the coast-to-coast, which, uh, of course... Happened over the weekend, and when we talked to the race director, Glenn Curry, on Friday, uh, he was uh, about to tip us uh, into who he thought would win. He never mentioned his brother. He never gave his brother a mention, Braden. but just over 24 hours later, that's exactly who took out the title for the fourth time. So Braden Curry joins us uh, this morning. Braden, congratulations. Uh, you snuck under the radar for this one. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure there would have been too many of the athletes on the start line that thought I was coming under the radar. But, um, yeah, a bit of a late entry. Uh, you know, these days with the whole COVID situation, things seem to change rapidly. So, yeah, it was the last minute to throw some gear on the truck and head up and do the coast to coast. So when did you actually, actually, how far out from the race proper did you say, yep, I'm going, see you, see you Sunday sort of thing? Um, I think uh, Thursday morning we got the official announcement from Ironman New Zealand that their race wasn't going to go ahead in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, that's really what I was holding. Um, that's what I was planning on doing, really. That's my main focus at the moment. And, um, yeah, I guess getting that announcement, uh, I thought, well, I've been training all summer and uh, it would be a shame to, you know, put hundreds of hours aside um, and be in good condition and not have somewhere I can go and race. So, yeah, we we uh, got going about 35 hours before race start, um, leaving Wanaka with the kayak on top and, and went to start. So uh, did did you get any reaction from those guys when you, you fronted up the, uh, the, the, uh, the main opposition? 
Oh, mostly mixed emotions. Uh, obviously, Dougal Allen is an incredibly good friend of mine, and uh, yeah, a great mate. And um, yeah, it was definitely uh, relatively challenging, and probably, of course, with the course changes that were up in front too. Uh, obviously, still had a kayak, so you know, I had to remember how to kayak and and keep my boat upright and keep some reasonable speed, but. Um, with the course being shortened to a 30-kilometre kayak rather than a 70, it probably gave me a bit of an advantage on that one. Um, but, yeah, racing is racing. Um, yeah, it's kind of no friends once the gun goes, I guess. Raiden, uh, we, we were all sort of speculating about conditions. Uh, of course, a lot of rain around the, the region, etc. Um, how, how did you find them? Um, conditions are actually really good. Yeah, it was uh, obviously yeah, there was a lot of rain. The rivers were in flood. Um, the rivers on the Goats Pass were quite high to start, and then they uh, they dropped relatively quick. Um, and then getting over to the east coast, yeah, we hit that southeaster. Um, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I actually thought it would uh, drop quite cold, um, but it sort of stayed around that 12, 15 degrees, which. Is, is quite tolerable, um, not that kind of five degrees. So 20 minutes ahead of uh, Dougal Allen, uh, uh, the competitor you just mentioned, we spoke to him actually, and uh, he was pretty confident, I've got to say, going into the race, um, probably didn't know that you were going to be there, but uh, nine hours, 45 minutes and 23 seconds. So as you cross the finish line, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's always like every finishing line, isn't it? Emotions come rushing back. It's, uh, yeah, we... We put a lot of work uh, into these kind of races. We do a lot of training. We spend a lot of hours. Um, we sacrifice, I guess, a lot for to get there. And um, even though this was a spur of the moment kind of last minute decision, it's, it's, it wasn't like I was coming off the couch. And I guess it felt just as rewarding um, as some mm. of the bigger ones that I've had uh, in the past at that same race. Yeah, well, that's the fourth time you've won it. Uh, it's been, what, uh, seven years since you had, though. Uh, to have that absence and come back and win, where does it where does it stack up compared to the other ones? Um, uh, I mean, it's stacked up quite high, really. I think for me, um, yeah, it, it does just mean so much to me that race. And I mean, for me, I have stepped away from racing multi sport racing because uh, I guess of the the competition and the money uh, globally to try and race Ironman um, is sort of where I've drawn uh, my career towards and it's been a big missing part of my life in a way um, off-road racing it's, it's why I got into endurance sport and it's what I really enjoy in endurance sport but a um, bit of a career sort of path change meant that I haven't been able to get back so uh, in a lot of ways it's just really cool to, to be back and, and know that I can still um, be competitive and at the front of the race. The other thing, uh, um, Braden, that was uh, different this time around, of course, was that, okay, it was reduced in terms of its size and we couldn't have the, the ultimate two-day event, but uh, no fans as such either and different sort of atmosphere around the, the, the transition stations, etc. So uh, how did you find the, the lack of people around? Um, yeah, I mean, it's still um, there was still a, a lot of people out there on the course, spread across the course. Um, you know, it's a big... 243k uh, of course so it was pretty cool towards the end coming into Christchurch and things like that there was still the classic uh, families that set themselves out the front of their uh, on their front lawns and 
and cheer you on as you go by. So, yeah, there was, there was some good support out there. Um, and obviously, it was just good to be able to race, you know. It took a lot of courage for them to get this race off the ground this year and, and commit to running it. Um, but, yeah, in a little bit different circumstances. And, uh, yeah, just I guess it was just cool to be able to do an event. What's next on, on your agenda uh, now, Braden? Um, back into it, really. Uh, we uh, probably head off to the States in about a month's time. Um, and I've got, uh, it's called Ironman St George, which is the World Championships for Ironman. Uh, so it's a postponed event from last year um, because they couldn't hold the Ironman World Champs last year. So that's on May the 7th in Utah, which is, what, 12 weeks away, uh, which is pretty much two training blocks for me. The interesting uh, thing, I mean, uh, it was well publicised that you were uh, one of a number of individual athletes representing us overseas that couldn't get home. Uh, you managed to get home, but how's the MIQ situation now, you feel, uh, compared to that? you feel a, a lot more free uh, within your own mind about coming and going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as long as the rules stay how they are, um, definitely a bit of a relief. Uh, Obviously, I, I'm still more than prepared to isolate um, if that's part of life. But, uh, yeah, I guess with, with COVID in the community and um, I guess the sort of philosophy we're taking now a little bit more like let's carry on, um, then, uh, yeah, it makes our, our job, um, I guess, that just a little bit more simplistic. And uh, I think it's just that confidence thing, just to know that you, you can come home um, and you're not going to end up stuck over there uh, for months on end, especially with the family. Braden, you're 35 now. Uh, wear and tear on the body, I guess, is one of the major factors of of thinking how long you're going to go on uh, in this in this particular field. Uh, what are you looking at um, and where do you feel your, your career is, is at uh, long term? Um, yeah, I probably, uh, realistically, I, I'm not the, the uh, stoic uh, guy in the in the racing scene. Uh, you know, I probably think maybe a couple more years of uh, professional racing at the highest level, like world champs level, um, and then I'd love to come back and and look at just uh, more adventurous kind of uh, kind of style of racing, and uh, yeah, enjoy a few years of that before uh, I probably knees break down and uh, call the end of my endurance career a finish. So, um, yeah, I'd like to have a really good crack at Ironman World Championships uh, over the next couple of years and, and see if I can get on the podium there. Right, and you said uh, before, I said, what, uh, what's next for you? You said, well, back into it. What does back into it mean in terms of uh, uh, maybe a bit of a wind down and then what, what kind of uh, work will you put yourself through this week in preparation? Um, yeah, I mean, back into the pool, really, for me, back into swimming. It's uh, something that you've got to keep up the momentum with. It's quite often just about feel of the water and movement. So, yeah, I'll start turning the body over today, um, go to the pool, do three or four K, and then tomorrow uh, we'll start trying to ride the legs out. And uh, then next week we'll be back into a full, a full training week um, and start, yeah, that build towards world champs. Amazing. Uh, fantastic performance. Really was uh, to come and steal the race. Uh, I, I think it's uh, quite astonishing. So uh, thank you for your time this morning. Congratulations on winning number four on the Coast to Coast. And uh, good luck with what's coming up too, especially in America. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks uh, for the support. I know you guys uh, helped me out uh, early in, last, later in the year, last year, um, for some time, so it's been good. All good, mate. No, no problem at all. Champion you are. Uh, 11.13 here on SENZ. Go well. Uh, Braden Curry, stay safe, travel well, and come home, hopefully, when you're allowed to or when you can. It's, uh, that's the best news of all, I think. We just heard uh, you know, from Marcus Wheelhouse about Ryan Fox under the same thing. And when you get that freedom of mind, John, I think when you get that freedom of mind um, that you've always had over the years because uh, prior to COVID, we could come and go. We could schedule our events and know that win, lose or draw where we were going to be uh, on the plane home. Um, and I think now we're getting a better indication of what it means to individuals to have that peace of mind. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Smithy. Um, we saw it with Ryan Fox at the end of last year as well when he finally got that MIQ ticket and what he came fourth and secured his European tour card. And now again, he knew he had an MIQ spot to come home for the New Zealand Open. That isn't happening. And then he wins a tournament just before he jumps on the plane. So I think you're exactly right, Smithy, that the, the mental side of sport we talk about all the time. And I think... We've talked about it so much on this show, um, just the MIQ spots and what that has done to our athletes overseas. Some have dealt with it, like Courtney Duncan was able to kind of get over it and get on with it and win a third world championship in, in motocross, but others, it was just weighing them down, like Ryan Fox, and as soon as he got that freedom, he started doing well and winning now. So I think you're exactly right, Smithy. Now, that athletes touch wood, won't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, we can look forward to New Zealanders doing bloody well on the global scene without that worry hanging over their heads. Yeah, in Courtney Duncan's case, I mean, there's young, enthusiastic, she's doing this great thing. Uh, sure, she's missing home and everything, but not married, um, you know, no children as such, which is the case, um, you know, for uh, Braden Curry, of course, uh, for Ryan Fox and for several others as well. It's the family aspect, you know, and you, you don't quite, I think, until you've been away for quite some time. I mean, I've been away on lots of tours, lots of commentary tours, lots of playing tours. But you always knew you were coming home, you always knew what your flight number was, what time was leaving, you almost knew what seat number you were in, everything was pretty well planned out. Uh, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine, um, you know, psychology, particularly if you get a bit down, a bit lonely, uh, that thought in the back of your mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we look at our other athletes like Tom Walsh and stuff, and um, we know he thrives on having that overseas competition. If he's not throwing against the best, well, he, he struggles to get himself up. So hopefully, hopefully, we keep on saying hopefully in this environment, uh, it frees up a lot of athletes uh, because hell of a strong sector, Athletics New Zealand, especially these days, but you've got to get that overseas competition and everything. What does it mean for you, Smithy? Uh, and your commentary, you, you haven't, what, commentated what big global events? and stuff you've missed out on t20 world cups and things uh, are you likely to go to the black caps tour of england at this point in time no i wouldn't be thinking so john uh, not at this time no I, I'd, I'd like to um but i don't think i will at this time because there's still that uncertainty there about getting home but uh i'm really looking forward to doing the women's world cup the cricket women's cricket yeah. world cup which is starting now uh, just over a fortnight really so I'm, I'm, I'm super looking forward to that, getting uh, alongside some of uh, my old colleagues, um, the likes of Alan Wilkins and uh, Simon Dool has come back to New Zealand for that as well. So uh, rubbing shoulders with uh, some of those guys. Sanjay Mandraker, I understand, is, is on the road. NASA Hussain. So, and many, many, many uh, terrific women commentators coming in uh, from around the world as well. So looking forward to uh, doing that. I uh, haven't done a lot, a lot of women's cricket um, in my time. Um, and um, really uh, 
doing some homework as we speak, actually, about players, squads, uh, and all sorts of things. So yeah. Look, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I had a quick go. Uh, it was actually the decider, uh, White Ferns against Australia last year at Eden Park, which lasted two and a half overs and then got washed out. Um, what I found was that there's no time between deliveries because they get back to their mark and their run-ups shorter. Uh, so really, it's mm-hmm. it's really fast and quick action, which I like about the women's game. And aren't the White Ferns starting to find their groove, Smithy? Well, Susie Bates at the weekend, what a magnificent performance, and then uh, backed up by a pretty good all-round bowling performance. A little bit of strength in the fight from India, particularly there's numbers three and four. But I've got some very fine uh, batters, very fine batters, uh, the Indian ladies team. So uh, that's encouraging, though. We, we talk about momentum going into a big tournament, uh, the conclusive win in the T20, and then, of course, uh, going one uh, going one nil up in the five-match series. Stay on that kind of roll. Uh, they'll hit the ground running come the World Cup, no doubt about that. 11-18 here on SENZ. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Want to win $5,000? We'll register for the Reese Super Rugby Fan of the Year competition now at SENZ forward stroke fan of the year. Register by February the 17th, so you're running out of time if you haven't to secure your spot each. Round entrance entrance need only pick one Super Rugby team. Just one, they believe, will win from the six games being played in that round. Lose, uh, you are out of the competition. Win, you stay in the competition. So simply put, to one team that you think will win their game within the round. If the team loses, you're out. If you win, uh, you remain in the running for the epic $5,000 cash prize. And uh, it's all due to our very good friends at Reese. Uh, John, there's some... Uh, Olympics, well, Winter Olympics, we haven't touched on it today. Uh, Kiwis in action today. Uh, 2.30 this afternoon, women's freestyle slope style skiing runs one and two for Margot Hackett. Um, and guess who? Yeah, Zoe sadusky Sinnott is back in action with snowboard big air qualifications as well. Uh, one, two, and three. Uh, the men's uh, freestyle slope style, uh, free ski slope style qualifications run one and two. That's Finn... Phyllis and Ben Barclay at 5.30 and Tian Collins and the men's snowboard big air qualifications, one, two and three. So uh, I guess uh, all eyes on Zoe again, to be fair. Yep, absolutely. So three qualification runs, she normally nails those and gets into the top 12 uh, and then goes for gold. She is the favourite. This is the event she got bronze in four years ago and unfortunately, cool Wakashima, one of the coolest names in our New Zealand team, would have been in that snowboard big air qualification as well, but she got injured. Um, it's the thing with these sports. Smithy, if you crash, you crash hard because you're high in the air on hard snow mm. uh, and when you come down, it hurts. Um, so cool Wakashima got injured in the slope style, hasn't been able to uh, get fit, unfortunately. So all that time preparing for the big air, hasn't been able to make it. But Margot Hackett, uh, she crashed a few times uh, in the big air for the skiing. She is back today in the slope style on her skis. So well done to Margot. Hopefully she can stay upright a bit longer because it looked pretty nasty uh, in those first events that she did. So good luck to them today. Yep, good luck to them. Uh, good rugby over the weekend. Of course, uh, there was a, a, a sort of a game of three halves, wasn't there, for our super sides who are still um, trying to get ready to, to kick off this weekend. Uh, but England got their Six Nations uh, campaign back on track. John uh, outclassed Italy uh, 33-0, I think it was, 33-0. So 
a couple of tries um, in each half. Uh, Jamie George, the hooker, actually scoring twice. Um, and uh, I've got to this uh, first five eight, or the playmaker is this uh, Marcus Smith, who looks relatively efficient, but uh, I wouldn't have thought that would be too much to write home about. I mean, Italy haven't won a game in 37 or something. 37 yeah. matches they've lost straight. Always well, a good way to get your campaign back on track, isn't it? Play Italy. Uh, and everyone's guaranteed to do that once every uh, time. And that's what holds the, back the Six Nations, as far as I'm concerned, to being the premier rugby competition on the planet. You've got a team that never wins in it. So how can you be the best competition? But that's by the by. Um, this Marcus Smith, I mean... Classic English Junos, rugby Junos, Smithy already going, oh, he's got a touch of Dan Carter and he's got a little bit of Johnny Wilkinson about him. Just let the kid play. You know, how many England first fives have we seen in the last, what, dating back to Johnny Wilkinson? So it's almost 20 years of, oh, he's the next Johnny or he's the next Dan Carter. None of them are. Just leave them alone, English Junos. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, oh, clearly he'd be the best. What, what's the writer's name? Stephen Jones, is it? Oh, Jones, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be already in the World 15. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, France 30, Ireland 24. So, yeah, you talked about France and you, you're rating them pretty highly. And Ireland, of course, um, not too far away from landing over here. Yeah, I rate them big time, France. I... I, even before they beat the All Blacks last year, I thought they would be favourites just because they've won those under-20 World Championships the last few years, so got some really good young talent coming through. And Anton Dupont, their halfback, is just amazing. Like, we think Aaron Smith's pretty good, and he is, and he is incredible, but Anton Dupont just runs the game for them. Everything they do, every line break, uh, every bit of attacking play, every bit of brilliance all comes from him, and he is just amazing, with Intermac growing outside him at first five, and their back three is awesome, a very strong pack. Winnie Antonio, one of the great names out of Wesley College back here in New Zealand, so I just think there's just no weakness there in that French team and playing at home in front of a French crowd at the World Cup next year um, they'll be so hard to beat and Ireland were good I uh, caught the replay yesterday didn't watch it live but Ireland were very strong as well so 30-24 to 24 yesterday and I think those two teams are better than the All Blacks right now is it because we haven't seen our best All Blacks team for a while uh, a lot of people came and went last year Smithy for different reasons um, I just want to see our best team picked over and over again this year, Smithy. Because at the moment, we're not the favourites. I don't even think we're the second favourites for the World Cup. No, it's really a moving year in that respect for, for the All Blacks. I feel they've got to make some hard calls and they've got to make some uh, consistency around what they do, leadership, etc. Uh, players and wearing certain jerseys and sort of floating around from being a winger to a, a centre to a winger to a centre, uh, from a fullback to wherever. We've done that in the past and it hasn't worked well. Those kinds of things make you a little bit nervous. Wales, uh, 20. Scotland, 17. So uh, a, 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 a close one. I, I think Scotland are playing some good rugby. Yeah, they are, but they were favourites for that at Carter Farms Park or Millennium Stadium or what is it called now? I don't know, massive, yeah. awesome stadium. Yeah right in the centre of Cardiff, uh, but Wayne Pivak kind of needed that. Um, even though he did the won the Six Nations last year, I think he's constantly having to prove himself out of the shadow of Warren Gatlin. So uh, always injured, it seems, Wales these days. Absolutely cursed, but that's a, a good win for them, which means France are the only team who can do the Grand Slam now and win all their matches in the Six Nations. Interesting. Uh, keep an eye on that. Um, more rugby, of course, as we start to get into 
uh, Super Rugby to try and get uh, inside the Chiefs camp tomorrow and just see how they are progressing. Those poor fellas from Moana Pacifica, I really do feel for them. Uh, it is 11.30 here on SENZ. Chance for you guys to and gals to get on the phone, uh, 0800 150 811, 0800 uh, and then 50 bucks uh, for the first time this week from the TAB and the possibility of some sleep drops as well. Match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Here we go, another week and another chance for you to win 50 bucks from the TAB in voucher form and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And you hear the term bunny being used a lot in cricket. I think of Chris Martin and Graham Smith, uh, pretty much every New Zealand batsman and Shane Warne. And I think of Ian Smith and Kerry from Manawatu because Kerry... Welcome back to the show, mate. Have you ever won a stump by Smithy? Or have you been stumped by Smithy every single time? Yeah, I seem to have a bad run. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it doesn't it doesn't dent your confidence, does it? Oh no, I still got a bit of a good <laughs> You're very good at getting through first. Um so well done <laughs> on that. You're very good at dialing the phone. So Hope springs eternal for you, Kerry. You get three sporting categories. You choose one, three questions, get them right. You win, get one wrong, and you know what happens because it happens all the time. So your categories are tennis, combat sports, or today's special, Super Bowl. Which one of those do you like? Um, I'll go... I'll go tennis. Tennis. Ooh. All right. All right. Not that, you know, current... But gives you a good chance, potentially. Let's go. How's the Manawatu anyway, Kerry? Man, it was just a crazy weekend of weather. How did you guys go? Oh, we're, we're wet. We're above water still, but we're wet. Yeah, man. It's wet as, windy as. It was all happening. Question number one. Who won the Olympic gold medal in the men's singles at last year's Tokyo Olympics? Um, no, I don't think it was Andy Murray. I was lucky you were going to say that, but then didn't. <laughs> Have you got an answer, Kerry? Um, Nadell. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Nadal has won a gold medal, but not last year, Smithy. I think he won it way back in 08, potentially. So do you know who the reigning Olympic champion of men's singles is? I think it's Medvedev, isn't it? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That Eve was right, but it was Alexander Zverev. Beat Medvedev, I think, in the final. So, yeah, he doesn't win Grand Slams, but Alexander Zverev does have an Olympic gold medal in his collection, which means you're still alive, Kerry. Thank goodness. Question question number two. What order are the four tennis Grand Slams played in? Okay. Um, Aussie Open. Um... French and then uh, one more down there in US. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 
Oh, Smithy, you would have nailed that, but he's just uncertain of himself a little bit. Kerry took his time. This is it. This is a one-question shootout, and it's all on you, Kerry boy. Good luck. Love this, Kerry. All right, mate. This is your moment. This is your Grant Elliott moment. It seems like Serena Williams is destined to be stuck on 23 Grand Slam titles. Who is the woman who is one Grand Slam ahead of Serena Williams? Oh. <laughs> you, love a, you love a bit of silence after a question. What's happening in yeah, that brain? I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the brain. <laughs> 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 One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I didn't even quite catch that answer. What was that answer? I just knew it was one of the worst things I'd ever heard. What was the answer, Kerry? Was it Sheriff Hover? No, no, God, no. She doesn't have 24 slams. She wish she does. Smithy, who's on 24 slams? No, it's either Martina or Margaret Court. I've got a, I've got a choice here: Martina Navratilova or Margaret Court. <sighs> I'm going to go Margaret Court. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh! right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh no, oh. Kerry, it's happened again, mate. You leave empty-handed, which means that jackpots to tomorrow a hundred bucks, and those sleep drops stay safe in the prize cupboard. Unlucky again, Kerry. Unlucky. Good stuff, Smithy. Hope you're feeling good, Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm feeling fine, actually. It's made my morning, stuff, actually, Kerry. To... Oh, <laughs> made my morning. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to take the shield this year, then. Oh, yeah, you, hey, hey, all the best with that, too, Kerry. <laughs> all, the, all the very best with that. Been a while. Hey? It has you been a while. Cut a bit of hay. You, you've, you've cut a bit of hay down there bef- uh, in between uh, 10 years, I, I think it's fair to say. Oh, mate, we've cut a lot of hay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, just All the best, mate. Guys, I'll, um, I'll, I'll talk to you again OK, look forward to it, mate. We really do look forward to it uh, uh, the next time. So uh, all the best and uh, have a, a, a great Monday while you're drying out down there in the Manawatu. It's 11.38 here on SENZ. On SENZ. And it's uh, 11.43. Just reminding everybody that uh, we will be going straight to... Uh, to LA, uh, to Inglewood in LA, actually, to the Super Bowl at the end of this show. So uh, Staffy has a well-earned breather this afternoon, although we will be having a chat to him just before midday. I'm uh, led to believe that Elvis is in the building. So uh, we will be chatting uh, to Staffy uh, about uh, (coughs) prospects, I suppose, for this afternoon. Uh, But yes, uh, we'll be taking that coverage uh, courtesy of uh, Ben Graham uh, and Jared Waitley and SEN. So uh, we're getting it on both sides of the Tasman. Gee, uh, I've been watching, actually I've been quite intriguing to watch that uh, auction. It's, uh, it's a really interesting process in the IPL. Um, you know, and the fact that you're basically there, you're, you're in the room, uh, as the, all those various uh, people sitting around their benches and uh, putting the paddles up every now and then. Uh, nice to see Mike Hess in there, of course, uh, on behalf of the uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, but two, uh, of course, super coaches uh, not there, uh, Brendan McCullum, and uh, who's been sitting up, I understand, all hours of the night trying to be partake uh, by computer, uh, not actually physically there. Neither Stephen Fleming, who's still in New Zealand as well, but 
Stephen Fleming, John, pretty uh, pretty active, particularly when it came to buying Kiwis last night. Yeah, he's got a few of them on his books. Always have the Chennai Super Kings. They've always had a smattering of New Zealanders uh, and, and guys who performed pretty well at the IPL. So who did they snap up? Was it Southie, Santner, and one more? They've got, no, no, uh, Southie was picked up by Brendan McCullum. Ah, yeah. Uh, his, old, his old buddy. So they picked up Conway for 200000 Bargain. Uh, they picked up, it's his first ever one, I reckon a real bargain, and they picked up Adam Milne and Mitchell Santner. Now, Mitchell Santner uh, paid 380000 uh, was going to get 380000 That's his biggest contract by quite some margin, and also two for Adam Milne. Yeah, I think Santner's a great buy, Smithy. Like, I, I know a lot of people don't like Mitchell Santner for some reason just because he can't turn the ball, but in terms of T20 cricket... I mean, in the Super Smash final, he's an underrated batsman. He was 90-odd in that final, and man, he's economic. You can rely on him to bowl line and length, which maybe isn't what you're after for your, you know, a wicket-taking spinner, but I, I rate Santner as a T20 player, Smithy, and Milne, uh, when he can stay fit, Asterix, um, just as good as anyone on the planet in terms of fast bowling. So a couple of good contracts there, I reckon. Yeah, also from a New Zealand point of view, uh, we should uh, perhaps go through the, uh, Tim Southey, 300,000, as we said, to Kolkata Knight Riders. Um, Tim Seifert uh, has changed from the Knight Riders uh, and gone across to the Delhi Capitals for 100,000. Glenn Phillips, who's been in action down in Dunedin over the last few days when the weather has permitted, $300,000 to Sunrisers Hyderabad. He's alongside Kane Williamson now. Yeah, wow, and yeah, he must have thought he was playing T20 this morning because he's playing Auckland Aces, Plunkett Shield, four-day stuff. He's he scored 53 not out of 24 balls this morning, Smithy. Seven fours and three sixes. So he must have been pretty happy with uh, what happened overnight at the auction and just taking it into the Plunkett Shield game today. But he's a guy who did really well around the world and what the Caribbean Premier League, where we spoke to him at one stage and uh, in the 100 up in England, didn't do so well for us at the T20 World Cup, but... On his day, a match winner, absolutely. Um, and Ricky Ponting must like the look of Tim Seifert then, if he's got him at his side. Yeah, this is a, it's an interesting one actually, because uh, he's been uh, he's just really been following Brendan McCullum around uh, from place to place uh, as Tim Seifert. So uh, now he has to um, play for Ricky Ponting, who's a fairly hard task master. Uh, Finn Allen, uh, one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and Mike Hessen. Got him back. Of course, he, he had a chance to play a, a little bit uh, at a bargain basement, uh, and he, I think he had one game, um, and not so well. But uh, uh, shown the faith, Mike Hessen has uh, shown the faith in getting Finn Allen back for $160,000. Good news for the Wellington Firebird. Yeah, and what do you think about, you know, I think that's 11 New Zealand cricketers at the IPL. Um, good for them, Smithy, like rubbing shoulders with some of the great coaches and players from around the world. Do you think it's a good thing that our New Zealanders play IPL or would do you think it's detrimental to their game in some respects? Well, it, I'm not sure really if it's detrimental to their game. It gives them peace of mind in the pocket and that's a big thing if you're a professional athlete. I, I look I, I look at um, all these these particular situations and with a view to what's coming up for the Black Caps, um, straight after that, of course, there's a tour of England, um, which is basically about test matches. So any of those players that are involved in that, I wouldn't say it's the ideal preparation, going straight from that to test cricket. Uh, but, but you just, I mean, I remember the IPL first came in and people used to say, oh, it's fly by night scheme, this thing. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll last, you know, maybe one, two, give it three years shelf life, and then 
the novelty will wear off. Well, if anything, the novelty's got stronger uh, as the pay packets have got stronger. And, and some of the guys that have uh, cashed in big times, I, I don't. I've been, have you ever heard of Ishan Ishan Kishan, uh, <laughs> who is the most experienced player now? Um, Mumbai forked out $3 million for Ishan Kishan. I'm scratching my head thinking, have I seen Ishan Kishan play for India? And if I have, did he play well? Because I, I can't, it's, an, it's a catchy name and you should remember it, but to me, Ishan Kishan, it's a new one. Yeah, $3 million, which is just below, I think, Chris Morris of South Africa is the most expensive player of all time. And that's another name, like how many, you know, just average Kiwi cricket fans would know that name. And he's the most expensive of all time. So Ishan Kishan I only know because Brendan McCullum's talked about him before on The Breakfast Show. Uh, when I drive into work, I listen. So that's the only time I've heard him. Uh, if he was in a lineup, I wouldn't be able to pick him out, Smithy. But he's a $3 million man. And that's just the, the, what happens at these auctions, it seems, every year. Oh, blows me out of the water. I mean, Lockie Ferguson, I've seen a shot of him on Facebook sitting on the couch just watching the auction. I, I imagine he thought, well, I'm a ch- if I get picked up, my reserve is 400000 so if someone gets me, you know, I've got 400000 in the bin. Five minutes later, he's got $2 million in the bin. What a life-changing uh, transformation that is. Surely, you can't deny it. No, it sets you up for life. Well, he can buy probably one Auckland house now <laughs> for that $2 million up here, maybe some moustache wax uh, for Lockie Ferguson. But... um. Again, a guy who breaks down a bit, but, you know, fast bowlers and all-rounders uh, get the cash. Fast bowlers and all-rounders get the cash. It's it's weird. It's it's really, really weird for me, um, you know, because you, you look at some of the, the most magnificent batsmen and the, the most effective T20 batsmen, uh, and they just forlornly get overlooked uh, on a wholesale base. I mean, I would have thought Martin Guptill on his T20 form in the World Cup might have attracted some attention. I mean, it was in Indian conditions. Uh, you know, he's, he's hot, uh, uh, he's playing well, he's played well since he's got home. I would have thought he would attract some sort of a bid, but no, no interest at all. Aaron Finch, no interest at all. It, it just, it, it, the ones that just get passed over and the big money for, uh, I won't say fly-by-night bowlers and, and all-rounders, I won't quite put them in that bracket, but most of these names are unproven at the highest level, most of them including Lockie Ferguson, including Lockie Ferguson. Uh, you know, and Kyle Jamison, when they got him, was certainly unproven, and that uh, all turned to custard, didn't it? So anyway, that's uh, the lucky ones, and I'm not jealous at all. You can tell that, can't you? It's 11.52 here on SENZ.